Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hi, everyone. Helen Kelly is joining me tonight. And guess what? I've known her since 2009. We've been Facebook friends, yes, for that long. But you know what's really cool? She doesn't live here. She lives in the UK. Welcome to the show, Helen. Hi, thank you for having me. Isn't her accent amazing? I could just listen to it all day, but I got to keep going. So how I met Helen, she and I were acquainted through Farmville. Do you, if anybody, I know, if anybody ever played Farmville back in like the early time of Facebook, around what, 2009? Yeah, it's been around then, yeah. Right. And we've been friends ever since. And what's really cool is when I go to the UK or when she comes here, now I've got somebody I can depend on and tell me where to go and vice versa. And I might have a place to stay. But you definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> what I really wanted to talk to Helen about, she just took on a new job. And it's crazy interesting to me. Helen now is a 999 operator in the UK, which is equivalent to our 911 operator. And I would love to hear her stories. Maybe it's different there. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, I'm not sure kind of obviously what the difference is with your guys. But obviously on 911, we're 999. Um, And I'm guessing it's probably the same. Everyone dials the same number for an ambulance or police. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. Cool. So then the operator would put them through. Um, Yeah. So I started in... When are we now? April. I started my training. So that was pretty brutal training, actually. Oh, really? Very full on, yeah. When you said brutal, what do they do? Do they give you, like, situations where you have to react and do things a certain way? So, first of all, you apply online for the job. And then you have to have a telephone interview. If you pass that, you have to go in for an assessment. Um, and that was quite quite a hard sort of test on lots of different things. And then if you pass that, then you have a face-to-face interview. But because, obviously, corona, um, we did yeah. virtual interviews. And then after that, if you get the job, that's when you then get your training. So even to get the job, it was like jumping through hoop. Yeah, I can only imagine because it. I have to say, Helen, it has to take a special person or kind of person to take on this kind of position. This is not for everyone, right? No, no, definitely not. It's, um, you know, it's not nine to five, it's 24 hours, 365 days a year. So you have to be prepared to work nights, Christmas, um, everything. So, and then obviously the type of calls that we get, yeah, you, it's not for everyone, definitely not. Right. Um, no. But what, I'm curious what made you want to do this line of work? Have you always been interested in the, I don't know if that's, if it's the right way to say medical field or, or just maybe helping people. Is that basically why or? Yeah. So I looked at it a couple of years ago, actually, but with the training, you have to do four week full time, Monday to Friday. And then you go on to kind of doing like four week shift work training with like a coach. Right. Um, so I kind of couldn't do it because obviously having the kids um, and the youngest, obviously he's only just turned three. I just couldn't commit to the training. Right. Do school pickups and drop off. So I never did it. I've not really ever been um, interested in the medical side before, to be honest. But yeah, so with COVID hitting, um, kind of needed to look for a new job. So um, yeah, so I saw it come up and I was like, right, 
I'm going to just go for it. Hubby had been furloughed, so he was going to be at home with the kids. So yeah, I went for it and here I am. I, I tell you, and, but there is medical training, correct? I mean, you have to know how to do CPR and, and the new way to do CPR because they don't do it the way they used to and all the things, right? Yeah. So during the training, the first two weeks, you get trained on a system, but you also need to know some basic biology, sort of. So it's just the basics. So things had to look for signs of shock and the main things like heart attack, stroke, the difference between the amount of blood loss, depending on how old you are and just things like that. So you get like a two week snapshot of like really rough medical, but just barely touches on it. (laughs) Well, and and the thing is, I'm sure you learn as you go, because that's like a cram course. And then you have to learn as you go. Now, I know you can't give us major details, but can you tell us about a call that has affected you, uh, you know, whatever you want to share with us? So, um... After you do like the first four weeks training, you get assigned a coach and you kind of work with them. So the first couple of shifts, they literally listen into the calls. They are in the background, kind of tell you what to say. They point at the screen so you know what to point. So you don't really feel like you're doing anything. You're just kind of on, you're just following what the person tells you to do. Right. Um, And then after that, you get signed off after you've done, basically when your coach thinks you're ready, then you have to do like a sign off where someone comes and sits with you while you do a shift and they, you have to pass all the calls and things like that. So I never had anything like really major when I was training. So I kept thinking I was going to have a cardiac arrest. Um, is that the same in the US? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Heart attack, cardiac arrest. Yeah. No, same thing. No, you're so right. Completely yeah. not breathing. Someone's like a heart's not beating. So I never had anything like that during my training. Of course. Then, um, <laughs> I kind of wanted it. Like, because yeah. you kind of want it when your coach is there to uh, help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, we have, we're called sort of like call takers. So you have a senior call taker. So if you get anything like that, they can listen in and then they can write on the screen for you to see. So they give you advice. Sort of, there's always someone helping you with like the kind of, I suppose, very, very serious calls. Right, um, right. So there's always help, um, which is lovely because obviously you don't ever want to feel like you're dealing with something like that by yourself. Just having that extra help really does give you that that confidence that you need to do. So did something happen that you were like, oh my gosh? Yeah, so I had pretty okay shifts, to be honest. I had a couple, um, but then I had one shift, which really sticks in my mind. I had had two people that were basically dead when the callers called oh wow to being able to help them they were completely gone um but one of them really got to me because the patient's other half had left them in the morning gone to work came home and found them dead um, oh my goodness that patient's other half was very very hysterical as you can imagine so kind of that was my first call where it was just like it really hit me and I was just like oh my gosh like this person's like lost their other half they saw him this morning and now they're gone and they were they weren't that old either so I think oh my they, gosh can you tell us how they passed away or is that something don't have a clue oh. not I so this is the other thing about being a call taker sometimes you never know you might just know whether someone made it to hospital. You don't know what happens to them after that. Um, sometimes you might get an update from the crew, so the ambulance crew, of what happened, like a little bit. But sometimes you just you just don't know. Right, because you do, I don't know if you guys do it the same in the UK as we do. Um, a lot of times, as far as I know, you have to stay on the phone with the 911 operator, 999 operator, until the ambulance or someone can help them arrive yeah depending on the call so if the call comes through from a child we always stay on the phone 
if the call is about a child, so say anybody under the age of 16, so if it's a 14-year-old calling and there's no adults around, we stay on the phone with them. Okay, um, okay. Um, if someone's obviously doing a cardiac arrest because we would be giving CPR instructions, we would stay on the phone until they get there. Quite often we try and we give the care advice. If they're okay and they're managing it and we know the crew aren't far, we would go. Um, if someone's suicidal and there's no one with them, we stay on the phone until the crew get there. Have you ever had to deal with a child or someone under the age? No, actually. The only times I've had a child caller, they called originally and then passed me to the parent. When I said, is, is your mum or dad there? They said, yeah, my, my mum's here and then passed me over. So, Oh, gotcha. What happened with that call? Do you, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, the, one of the parents fell off the ladder and um, quite high up. Because I think it was, we, we've had quite a lot of falls of people falling off ladders since coronavirus hit. Oh. Everyone's DIYing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, how insightful for that child to call 911 and say, hey, my mom or dad has fallen and they you know, for lack of a better term, can't get up. Um, yeah. But they were able to call you, hand their parent the phone and say, listen, I can't move or I can't move my leg or whatever it is. Yeah. And they can assess that way. And who knows how old the child was? Do you have any idea? No, not a clue. So have you had any other kinds? I know you've only been doing this for shoot since what? May, right? Yeah, and I got signed off by myself at the beginning of June, so. Has there been any kind of funny calls or things that you want to share? Yeah, we get, you wouldn't believe it, you get people calling because they've been sick. And you, we have to triage them. We have to assess them. We have to go down through the whole route of going through the system. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. And quite often it will get to, we call it a disposition or an outcome at the end would be, you know, they need to speak to their GP or, you know, just wait. Right. The general practitioner. Right, right. A lot of calls of people that have just sort of, you know, they've had an issue for weeks. And it's like, why have you chosen now to ring? And why do you feel now you need an ambulance? And they're like, oh, no, it was the same as last week. And you're just like, oh, please. (laughs) give me strength. <laughs> I know. Well, and it, I don't know if it's Corona related or if it's just something else. I, I, I do think that this virus is really kind of freaking everyone out and they think, oh, I can ride this out. I think I can do this. I can handle this on my own. Everything's fine. And then they're not getting better. Do you think that maybe what it, is what it is or do you think it was something else? Oh, I think they were getting them before. So I think it's always going to be a mixture. Um, it's, I think it's some people are struggling to get appointments to their doctors at the moment. So then they think they'll get seen quicker if they call us. Um, right. Quite often people think that instead of going to, do you call it A&E? Going to the emergency department? Well, just the emergency room, right. <laughs> the ER. Um, yeah. 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 When people think that if they call an ambulance, they'll get seen quicker when they get to the hospital, but they don't. You join the same queue as the people already waiting. Obviously, it's done by priority of why you're at the hospital. But yeah, people will think that we will just get them seen quicker instead of taking themselves. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Well, there's probably a lot of people that you have to explain that to and say, listen, (laughs) you can call all you want and we're here to help because we're happy to do it. But let me tell you how it works, you know. Because quite often we try and persuade people, you know, if they're okay, but they need to be seen within an hour, you know, we try and persuade them to get there themselves with family or whatever, because we're like, you'll get seen quicker 
than waiting for an ambulance to come because it's like it's not you're not a top priority so we're not sending someone on blue lights and sirens so you're going to be waiting whereas if you just go now you're going to get seen a lot quicker so we have to try and persuade them but we've also obviously got to be polite because our calls get audited so if someone will listen in sort of like later down the line and audit all our calls they pick some out yeah i've heard some 911 calls where the 911 operators are just not very nice not you it's more over here trust me and i say that nicely because i know there are a lot of people that are very lovely here don't don't get me wrong but i do think there is a point in which you become desensitized and you're not as how do you say um as empathetic i don't know um do you think that happens so true so um when i was saying about like that really bad day i had where that that person had come home and found their partner um obviously deceased right so that day i actually ended up having two people calling in about dead patients i had a card two cardiac arrests oh my gosh burning I had a drowning. Oh my gosh. I had something else and it literally, it all happened in one day and everyone, like people were standing up going, oh my gosh, she's got another one. (laughs) I was just sitting there like, oh my goodness, what have I done? (laughs) What's going on today? Some of them made it to hospital, but I don't know what Oh, Helen. And they were all like standing back behind you going, this poor woman. Yeah, it was just um, that day broke me. That was the first shift that I've, and the last one that I've had so far that I literally cried in the car on the way home and had to sit in the driveway before I could come in and see the kids because it was a day shift as well. So they were up. So I was like, I can't go in and speak to anybody at the moment. I need a few minutes. My, My husband, bless him, came out, knocked on the car door and was like, Are you okay? And then I was like, No, need a minute. I came in and I literally, I still, you know, when you, you're still so upset that if someone asks you if you're okay, you just start crying again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So I was still at that point. So I had to go upstairs and hide in the bedroom. Oh, well, okay. That brings me to another question, actually, Helen, are there counselors for you that you can talk to and just say, listen, I'm having a hard time with this. I know it doesn't, it's not me, but it still has to affect you. And that's the whole reason I do this podcast. So tell me how that's working for you. So, um, like I said before, we get the senior call takers who oversee all of us. So when you get anything like a cardiac arrest or a drowning or like a bad burning, anything serious, um, they'll always come over and ask you if you're okay at the end of the call. If you're not, you go away, you walk away from your desk, you go and take however long you need, because obviously you need to be okay to take the next call sure you can't be sort of like affected and it can't affect the next call that you're taking so there's all that sort of support during the day um if you go away like I did at the end of every call I was like no I'm fine I'm okay I might just need a few minutes I'll go go for a walk come back um it wasn't until I got you know got in the car and then I was like no I'm not okay that was that was a bad day there's loads of support so when you go back in like the seniors will say look um I know that it actually really affected you so do you want to talk to anybody um so there's loads of support there and it's available and and what I like is that they won't wait for you to ask for it they'll ask you if you want it oh that's nice right if it's really bad do they just give you a little time off how does that work um so I've not I don't really know to be honest if it was really really bad normally you would just sort of you may probably if get taken off the rest of your shift if it was something pretty horrific but 
sort of as you said in a way and it's sometimes I feel bad for saying it but you do get desensitized and I think you have to and you kind of sort of remove yourself from the situation because I think if you were too emotionally invested in what was happening you wouldn't be able to deal with the call if that makes sense no and well that's the reason you were chosen to do this job you have to have a sense of detachment and and file it away or compartmentalize it however you want to say it so that you can take the next call and be there and be present for them as as tragic as it is for whomever you're working with at the time that's still got to be very i mean how does it make you feel about life in general and you're and you're a mother you're you know you're a (laughs) wife i mean and your children how does this affect you does it is it does it make things different for you it does it bring a different light on your thoughts so um I would say probably it just made it's made me realize like how quickly um something can just happen like right you literally can you know that saying like you could literally get hit by a bus tomorrow oh yeah you don't really think about it beforehand because you're just like well that's not going to happen to me that's not going to happen to someone I know right this job's made me kind of realize that no it does it does happen and it happens a lot more than you think it happens because obviously we only see stuff on the news when it's you know whether there's been like a large gathering and people have happened to see it or the helicopters had to come out do you know what I mean we don't see everything on the news but yeah but to be honest it's not it's not changed our life in any way we don't do anything differently um I just make might make sure that I always say goodbye to the kids before I leave you know kissing some cuddles or sometimes you might just you know rush out the door and be like see you later but now I'm always like no we all do cuddles and kisses the last time we see each other say nice goodbyes if you know what I mean I totally get that and it also makes you just live for the day and be happy in the moment because yeah, be happy for what you've got as well. Because you don't know. I could walk out to my mailbox and get hit by a bus myself. I mean, you just yeah. don't know. I mean, it's exactly. just it, life is crazy. Um, okay, so let's get off this heavy topic. <laughs> and before we were recording, you and I were laughing so much about the difference in and the words that Americans and British people use. Well, here's an example: fanny pack. You laugh every time I say fanny pack. <laughs> and this is this okay because you're going to use the correct word. What does fanny mean in your where you are? It's a vagina. Yeah, see, it'd be like wearing a <laughs> vagina pack, people, you know. Okay. Although I don't even think we call them that anymore. I think I, I think for a while they came back, but I don't even know if they're back anymore. And no, the other day, we call them bum bags. Oh, bum bags. See? Yes. yes. And bums to us are probably more like homeless people, but you know, <laughs> terrible. And I may be very inappropriate even saying that. So anybody, please don't send me um, an email. Please don't send me letters. And then we were talking about, oh boy, uh, what did you, we were talking about rubbers. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm laughing now. What are rubbers to you guys? They're erasers. I think that is that that's what you call yes. them. Yes. Right? Oh, erasers. Like when children use erasers to erase the pencil marks on their yeah. papers, and they re- they correct them. Well, that's not what we call them here. They are condoms. Uh, well, that's what I thought they were. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what we call them. Um, and then we were talking about. I was like, hey, you know, I'll call you on your cell, and you're like, you mean my mobile? And you said mobile, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> And because we say mobile, mobile, yeah. and you say like 
more like mo say it again how do you say we it? say mo you want to call me on my mobile mobile, mobile phone I'm yeah a mobile i mean we, we butcher it we do we do always and then like like you guys have fish and chips and that's basically fish and french fries to us french fries for yeah. you yeah. yeah but no we were just going over those and i was we were just laughing so hard but i, I just the best one was because i'd said oh i'm so glad this is a podcast so it's just my voice so i don't have to like do my hair and makeup and then you said what oh oh I said yeah I said oh well I may not even have my pants on and you cracked up and then you didn't reply right away and I was like did I make her up and tell me what what pants mean to you it's underwear yeah so, or I think it, you don't call them knickers either do you no so so what I told her hey when we do our podcast I may not be wearing pants because we say that all the time here. And she kind of was like, um, okay, she getting weird on me. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious, Helen. Oh my gosh. I was cracking up and I was telling Dane, my husband, I was just like, Leslie's not going to wear any pants, apparently. <laughs> any panties or underwear? I know it's just so sad. Hey, people misinterpret things on text all the time, but this is a whole other level, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But you, for you, pants is trousers. Yes. Well, we don't call them trousers, but yes, they're pants or or jeans or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, or slacks. I don't know if you call them slacks. Yeah, I haven't heard that for a long time. I don't think we use that. Yeah, we don't really use that, but we certainly don't. Are they call... like joggers, like jogging bottoms, sort of like comfy trousers? Um, those two, those are sweats. Sweats. So yeah, we call them joggers. Yeah. Just put your sweats on. It's funny because when my kids, when they were little, in fact, my daughter still does it. She'll be like, mom, I just want to come home, put my easy pants on. I know. So you're going to laugh at me. <laughs> my easy pants. And easy pants to her are like pajama pants. Just because we made that name up. I don't even know if you call them pajamas. That's hilarious if yeah, you don't. We, or PJs, we call them for or sure. Or PJs. Okay. Isn't that funny? I, Girl, you have been a dreamboat and I love talking to you and I could probably talk to you for a lot longer than we have now, but I am so happy that you gave me your time and talked to me about what you do now, because I think it's amazing what you do. I think it's amazing how you help people and give, think about it though. You give everything with your job. You really have to be present and empathetic. There's not many people like this in the world. And I salute you for that. That's amazing, Helen. Well, it's true. I just love you to death. You've been my friend for years. And I just had to have you on. And thank you so much, honey, for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. If you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.